This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kubitschek. I'm with Steve Cockrum today from London. Hello, Steve. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? How's sunny Oklahoma today? You know, it's really sunny. It was really good. We had a uh, Saturday. We had a really interesting thing. My, my daughter, Kate, who is, uh, you know, I have a Will and Kate uh, in mm-hmm. my life from the royal family. Uh, Kate decided she was going to have a royal uh, breakfast. So she dug out all of the uh, our Windsor mm. uh, uh, silverware and china and all the things that they bought at Windsor. <laughs> to um talk about the royal wedding was that a big deal were you you were there right yeah i mean obviously i don't i'm not allowed to say a great deal about it because it's confidential but yes um <laughs> let's just say the royal wedding was a particularly big event in my house um i found there was a calendar invitation i'd received saying helen watching royal wedding all day and then basically a whole load of invitations to take charlie to dancing to parties so basically i had a i had a chance to be a servant-hearted pioneer over the weekend, which um, realised I'm not actually do that in that often, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the royal wedding was huge over here, and um, you know we we we've got an American at long last. So you know, hey, seriously, I, it was so funny it, for all those the listeners. I don't know if you watched this too. Watching the prim and proper royal <laughs> wedding and having the African American pastor preach a message of love oh my goodness but that the way he he preached it was it was funny to watch people's do you think he might be a connector creative jerry by the (laughs) he didn't really have notes that we saw he had a an ipad but (laughs) well let's just say it was a beautiful sunny day and everything went off without a hitch so yeah we're good we've now we've now got an american in our royal family and i think it was a big moment for our culture i mean that the the English aristocracy is not famously anything but white, and um, yes. I think for the to have such a multiracial, deliberately and just a celebration of you know go back twenty thirty years, having anyone who was divorced, mixed race would would be absolutely no chance. So not the not British, royalty. No, exactly. So yeah, you know, I, I thought it was perfect to our times. Where I, I, I thought it was beautiful from that perspective. I totally agree. And to have the um, just the gospel choir singing, um, yeah, a- amen at the end as they were leaving. It was just it was so classic. I loved it. But it just it just having lived there, yeah. Like, oh my goodness, that is so. Well, unique. the other thing, of course, is if you posted on Facebook, the um, that Megan actually stayed at Cliveden House Hotel, the the home of the beginning of Giant, and she actually stayed there the night before she got married. So there we go. That's gonna. I've had all the people who've done intensives with me texting me from America. Going, Hey, is that the place where I stayed? I'm like, yep, absolutely. You can now sort of have bragging rights with all your friends that you are connected to the royal wedding in in London. So there we go. Absolutely. So all those listeners who want to have an experience in London, if you want, not a tourist <laughs> experience, but we have a uh, Windsor is not too far from uh, Cliveden and not too far from the giant uh, worldwide uh, London uh, offices and area. So it's kind of kind of fun to have. Um, uh, Steve, your your home and your world um, be that close to to the epicenter of so much. There you go. Um, my wife's correct. She said I always felt the world revolved around me. Now it appears it's actually true. So there we go. That's true. There you go. That's good. All right. Hey, today 
we're going to get into our next topic. Last time we spoke, we talked about what liberation would look like for a nurturer. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to get in, jump into the creative. So for all of the creatives out there, this is for you. And for all of the rest of you who are not creative, but you have creatives in your life, this mm-hmm. is important because we're also going to talk about how do you liberate creatives. So how do you become liberated if you are one and how do you liberate if you have people in your life and all of us have creatives around us. So that's our topic for a conversation. Um, so uh, here we go. You ready, Steve? All fired up? Yeah, fired okay. up. <laughs> so uh, let's get let's get into it. How how do you liberate? So why don't you explain to us, remind the audience uh, what a creative is again, mm-hmm. uh, what the champions of, and then we'll get right into how we liberate. So creative voice is the most future orientated of all the voices. They're always looking towards the future. We often say they're the champion of new ideas. Um, organizational integrity is a big part of how they are. But the creative is one of these people who who simply is always looking for what's coming next. They're always the people who are on the frontiers looking for ideas, for trends. And they think outside the box in a way that no other voice does. So basically, creatives look at the same problem or the same opportunity that the rest of us do, but they're the ones that in the right environment with the right encouragement will often look at and reframe the entire situation completely differently. So in a new world where so much is changing and so much is unknown, the creative voice really should be at the forefront of most teams, most organizations, because they're able to help navigate a world which really is um, unknown. We, we haven't been here before. And as such, that creative voice, the ability to see the future, and in many ways preserve values and integrity in the process, um, I would say it's probably one of the most important voices in teams and organizations right now. Absolutely. I happened to, uh, my, my second voice is a creative, and uh, I didn't know that until I've gone through the whole process and really um, understood the, what that voice looks like. So um, just understanding the differences, there's a difference between the creative feeler mm. and there's the creative thinker. And so uh, I think that's that's the one thing that we'd want you to hear if you're listening. Some of you might be a creative, but to know which creative you are is important. So can you talk about that as well, Steve? Yeah, in our attempt really to kind of harmonize um, Jungian type, Myers-Briggs into types, we, we got it down to five voices, but really the creative was the only one that really we had to have an internal division. So the creative thinker is the creative who is much more rational, logical, analytical, Um, often quite critical in the way they engage with the world, usually very clever. So INTPs, if you speak that language. And the creative feelers are those who are much more the kind of the the relational, very, very sensitive to what's going on around them, quite idealistic in the way they view the world. And in many ways kind of go, well, why can't we all love each other? Why can't we live in a, a land where, you know, there is love, there is harmony, there is no war. So the creative feeler is much more relational, emotionally intelligent, connected to people, far less abrasive and critical than the the creative thinker if that makes sense so uh when you when you put it all together uh, liberation what we mean by liberation is really is the is the transformation of people that the liberation means the freedom for people uh we often say in our world uh to liberate someone you have to help heal restore certain issues take things out of them and then raise them up and call them up to who they really are and so that's really what we want to do today in this uh, Liberator podcast. So we want to get to the point where we're giving you 
um, some some ideas and thoughts about how you can be liberated. Um, I know for me, for instance, part of that means um, I want the freedom to be able to share my ideas and to think about the future with people that I trust. And so oftentimes it's um, it's really difficult when uh, you, you don't have the um, uh, true, I don't know, camaraderie or the true uh, trust of the people that you're talking with. And so uh, that's a that's a big uh, component. And so with with that, Steve, what would you say are, are the the pieces that of liberation that uh, you know from a creative? Do you want to start with creative feeler or a creative thinker? Uh, sure. Well, let's do creative feeler. I think the, the the biggest thing for liberating the creative feeler is actually to to take the time to understand what they're trying to say. So in the sense that most creatives live in a world where they think they're communicating far more clearly and effectively than they often are, and they often get frustrated, particularly in in fast-paced teams, organizations, where, where people often judge them on what they say first. And so therefore, the creative often gets dismissed because people go, well, what, you know, you had a chance to contribute, you didn't say anything. So liberate- Which is, by the way, is so frustrating because I know this one <laughs> firsthand. Because what happens is they they are trying to communicate what they have in their minds, but it's mm. so deep and it's so complex mm. that they've kind of moved on to the next word and then they've said the word and then people latch on to that word and then mm. they go, well, that's not what they I meant. And then the other person takes it as a credibility issue. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're changing your mind? You're not, yeah. you're saying something different now. So, so I think that for creatives that to actually understand that when they're speaking, they have something to say. So all the creatives are introverts by first voice. So therefore, they're not speaking unless they have someone to share. But what they're saying out loud initially bears very little resemblance to what they actually mean. So liberation is, I would say, taking the time to listen, to ask those clarifying questions, to really take the time to try and understand what lies behind the idea because the gold never usually comes out immediately. And I, I can only imagine, credit's my third voice, but the frustration of having something profound to share that actually is going to help people, is going to shape, and for the creative feeler, is going to make a difference to the world. It's going to affect the relational dynamics, relational harmony, causes they believe in. But when they speak, nobody seems to hear and nobody seems to take the time to help them unpack what it is they're saying. So that would be the, the first place of liberation um, for the creative feeler. I think I'll probably have one more as well if you want me to, to keep going. But I would yeah, say that, so the, inter, the creative feeler is an internal perfectionist. So, so therefore, what they do is they always judge themselves by standards that are far harder and far higher than A, they would ever judge anyone else or B, anyone else would ever judge them by. So one of the biggest challenges to creatives is to be a liberator for themselves. Because they'll always tend to dominate themselves. They'll always tend to judge themselves. And they'll always tend to kind of almost be increasingly critical of themselves. So most of them have this pretty negative spiral because they're always asking the question about, well, how am I really? Am I a person of integrity? Am I living out what I'm saying? Is there alignment between my words, my actions, my beliefs? Are my relationships aligned? Am Am I being the perfect father? Am I being the perfect husband? Am I being the perfect wife? Am I being the the perfect teammate? It's amazing how that internal narrative almost tortures the creative feeler 
because in theory they can never be as good as the internal perfection that they have of themselves and so they either exhaust themselves discourage themselves and often discount themselves in a way that is deeply unhelpful you have to speak truth from the outside because the truth is never inside the in the the creative feeler so therapy is usually the worst possible solution for a creative feeler because people ask, you know, tell me what you're thinking or what you're feeling. And usually what they're thinking and feeling is judgmental of themselves and not right. I often say that we have to speak external words of love and affirmation to speak the truth of what we really see and what we value. Because you have to counteract the internal voice of the creative feeler, which is often telling themselves, well, you're not what you ought to be or you're never going to be as good as you are. So that's a little bit so- of a therapy for my creative feeler friends. Yeah. So and, and so therapy, or sorry, not therapy, but advice then for how to liberate a creative feeler is really it is starting with yourself. It's like what mm. what does liberation look for look like for you? Mm. So if you have that dominant nature in the way that you dominate yourself, the way you think, what does it mean for you to call yourself up? Mm. What is what is a healthy view of yourself? And and that's a really hard dynamic. I know for me, I have to work on it. So I have this thing, and I'll give this to you, any of the creative feelers that are out there. Again, it's my second voice, but I do this thing called a daily charge. And I have to have this conversation with myself, and I have to remind myself who I am. And it, again, it's it sounds so silly because it, it could sound cheesy. Uh, you know, I don't say I'm healthy, I'm happy, and doggone it, people like me. Kind of like Stuart Smalley of the old Saturday Night Live joke. But I do... I do have this thing where I do remind myself, hey, I'm a liberator. This is what I'm about. This is, And I'm speaking over myself and I'm speaking positive over myself because I have a tendency to um, have all of these ideas. And when the idea doesn't hit or when something doesn't work like you think, then there's a natural tendency to critique myself or judge myself or, well, you're just, you're just not as good as you think you are or X, Y, and Z. When um, I actually have to first believe in me and my ideas. And if I believe in the ideas and believe in myself, then I need to show it. And it becomes a secure, confident humility that gets produced. But that mm-hmm. has to be, to be developed. And uh, it starts with, with you talking over yourself. And so that's one thing I encourage you. Talk over yourself in the morning, especially in the morning. of, And maybe morning and when you go to bed. Speak over yourself who you really are versus the lies that sometimes you listen to. Mm, that's really good. I, I think, you know, the, the, the creative, you know, we, we often have the statements of what we, we kind of summarize for creatives and say, this is what they need everyone else to know. <laughs> so if you want to, you know, we'll, we'll speak it. So we may do it a couple of times so you can write it down. But if you have a creative in your world, this is really what they're trying to tell you but they've never found a way to tell you out loud. Remember we did it for the nurture and a whole lonely you've written in going, I can't believe you read my mail. No wonder, you know, my partner didn't know. So this is our liberation narrative for, for the creative voice. Creatives are really saying to you, I need you to believe in me and my ideas, but don't judge me on what I say first. Make sure you take the time and ask the questions to truly understand what I'm trying to say. Give me the space to dream and keep encouraging me to push new frontiers even if you can't see them yet. So I'll read it again so you get it. This is what the liberators are saying to you in your world. I need you to believe in me and my ideas. Please don't judge me on what I say first. Make sure you take the time and ask the questions to really understand what I'm trying to say. Give me the space to dream and keep encouraging me to push new frontiers, even if you can't see them yet. So 
that's that's kind of you know what does high sport high challenge look like for the creative voice for that creative feeler the constant encouragement creative feelers are very very sensitive and they're very very relational and they love at their best to be part of a team that's going after a cause that they can give their lives for they are very deeply committed people but you often find if they're not involved in something they believe in or they're part of a leadership team or whatever it is where there is a lack of integrity it gets really really hard for the creative feeler to function because in some senses they have this idealized wonderful purity of going why can't we make the world a better place for everybody and how do i be part of a group of people that are going after something which is way deeper and way bigger and way more powerful perhaps than anything I could achieve on my own. So great team players are in it, the creative feelers. And uh, I think that's the important phrase. I need you to believe in me and my ideas because me and my ideas go together. Yeah. They are one and the same. Yeah. So what happens is if you critique or judge the ideas based on what they said, then you're, you're, cre- you're critiquing the person. So that's the difficulty of the creative feeler because they've attached ideas and they've put them right, sewn them right on their heart. And so when you shoot the ideas, as you've heard us say, then you're shooting directly at their heart and you're going to see blood and uh, you're going to affect them. So that's the important part in the the communication code that we've given you that you've listened to. uh, We talk about the the point of, you know, there's several different codes, but to really uh, to unlock a creative, you need to clarify and ask clarifying questions. Mm. A little bit of celebration, uh, caring for sure, but then to clarify before going straight for critique or even collaboration. Because to collaborate on an idea that they've been ruminating on for months is not really helpful. To critique the ideas that are sewn to their heart is not really helpful. You need to clarify to make sure that you're hearing them correctly. Mm. And then ask permission if you can play. Because they may not give it to you. Uh, but but the reality is that, that they so believe, like a creative feeler are so genuine and authentic and almost purist in their, mm. their views of uh, relationships and uh, life and organization and ideas. They all are integrated. Mm. So you have to be careful. And that's the only problem with creative feelers. You have to be careful with them because they are sensitive. And it can be very defensive at times. And we, we also know that their, um, their weapon of choice in a negative stress is the Hulk. <laughs> and so that's what you'll get on the other side. If you push a creative feeler too far, uh, you're going to get the Hulk. And it's going to be messy and it's not going to be helpful for them or anyone uh, for an insecure, immature especially. But um, anyway. And the thing with the creative feeler is that they never become hulkish when people are rude to them, but they become the hulk when they see a value that they believe dearly being undermined or attacked. And they also become a hulk when someone is being unfair or attacking or doing something for someone that they feel personally responsible for. So that's kind of one of those ones where the, that creative feeler is, is so full of integrity and so values driven. What if you're what if you're leading a creative in a team, Jeremy? Is there anything that you'd add as a kind of because most of the people in our world will either you know they'll they'll have creatives that have been around them even if they absolutely. Haven't. So the the thing is, um, you'll probably have thought them too sensitive, so you might have pulled back and already uh, judged them a certain way. Uh, you may not value all that they bring because you might not be able to hear it or you kind of like roll your eyes at it or what have you. But to I mean, really think 
what are they saying and clarifying because they're seeing so much further than anyone else. So what are they seeing about the organization, especially creative feeler? What are they feeling about the, the organization or about the team? So understanding their ideas, I mean, really just giving them space to dream and clarifying them. And then the other thing would be keep encouraging them, mm-hmm. but encourage them. You can liberate them by giving them um, some helpful ideas. So, hey, um, John, every time you say this, I'm hearing this. So next time you can coach them in a way if they know that you're for them. And if they also can see that you're a translator for them, they'll be endeared to you. And so that would be something I would really encourage you to learn how to translate for your creatives. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. I mean, I often say that once a month you should schedule at least a 30-minute coffee with your creatives where the agenda is simply saying, what do I need to be aware of? Where's the opportunity we're about to miss? And are there any dangers coming down the pipe that you can see that I don't know? So they're great consultants. And if somebody actually calls them up and values the contribution and takes the time to listen, that's almost one of their most favorite things in the world, you know, to be given a chance to help shape the future rather than necessarily um, always be in the detail. So just to be aware of your leading creatives as well. They will do, the creative feeler will do pretty much whatever you ask them to do, whatever the personal sacrifice and cost for themselves. But just remember, just because they're so competent, they will always get worn out. That 70-30 details, systems, processes, analysis, most of them are very, very sacrificial. They'll do whatever you ask them to do. But that guardian work is costly to them. And actually, you have to sometimes have that duty of care to go, How's your 70-30 right now, Mr. Creative Feeler? How are you doing really? Because otherwise, they'll just simply keep burning themselves and and go, well, I can't let the team down and people have given me a job to do. I need to do it and I need to be tough enough to do this. So just watching that 70-30 balance with the Creative Feelers because they will often overwhelm themselves out of a sense of how do I be the perfect team player? How do I be the perfect colleague? How do I be the perfect child? How do I be the perfect husband, wife, whatever it may be? So let's talk a little bit about the um, creative thinker a little mm-hmm. bit uh, more deeply than we have because a, a lot of people are going to be uh, experienced the creative feeler, but the creative thinker is going to share similar similarities but have some differences too. So walk us through, Steve, from <laughs> being the personality Yoda that you are. Talk us through <laughs> the um, uh, creative thinker. So the creative thinker is the, the INTP, if you speak the other uh, Myers-Briggs language. Uh, the INTP is probably one of the cleverest of all of the voices, um, that creative thinker, because they see the future with this almost forensic kind of analysis and love of exploring conceptual theoretical models of the future. Einstein was a creative thinker. They see things that don't anyone, the rest of us, even conceive. But one of their challenges would be is the creative thinker has the least need for relationships. Their internal world of ideas and analysis is so rich They almost don't need people, whereas the creative feeler loves being with people. So the creative thinker, if you think about it, what they say out loud first isn't usually what they mean. So that's the same tendency as the other creatives. But instead of it being slightly abstract and like, what are you talking about? The creative thinker fires with a a kind of a, a high velocity rifle. So what they say out loud can often be quite harsh, can be quite critical. What they think is humor often doesn't go down too well. And before you know it, that creative thinker or that create can actually, in the end, end up undermining their influence. 
because in some ways they don't work hard enough at relationships because in some ways they don't think they need to with the brilliance of their intellect, which can usually control their world. I may be being a bit harsh on them, but they, but, but they uh, like they it really. Take it. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> they're not and listening they like anyway. The... They're not listening because they don't believe they have anything much to learn from people like us. So that's not true. <laughs> the other, the other thing was that you know you said that they really liked was they were the one of the most brilliant voices. So mm. um, they they followed you for that. But I would say that the the creative thinker is really difficult to understand what they're thinking. So um, meaning it's hard to follow. Uh, mm. Found a lot of coaching. If you're coaching. A creative thinker, you oftentimes won't know what they're thinking and they won't reveal it to you unless they think you're credible and unless they think that you have something to offer or mm-hmm. that you're in a safe place. If you're not one of those, <laughs> then they're going to keep it to themselves and be fine with it. Yeah. And so it's really difficult sometimes. You'll have people like, yeah, I just don't know what he's thinking. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That means that you don't have influence mm-hmm. uh, with them potentially uh, or or you've that you've been they've been burned before and so they're going to keep it all in their head. <laughs> a lot of them have what we call Moses syndrome. So this is one for if you're a creative thinker, one of the biggest challenges for you is people around you want to know what you're thinking. That they'd love to be part of the process with you. They don't mind you being brilliant and eventually coming up with the best idea, but they would love to be included in the conversation. So what the Moses syndrome is the the creative thinker just critically analyzes and asks everyone questions, but then just disappears. And what they're really doing is they've gone into this incredible brain process that they have, computing all the possibilities, and they come back down the mountain and tell everyone, family, team, organization, okay, guys, this is what we're now going to do. And everyone's like, what's well, a brilliant idea, but it would have been really nice if we could have been part of that process with you, because we could have helped and felt more bought in. And the creative thinker goes, well, where do you think I got all the ideas from? And you know, I ask you guys the questions. You have shaped this. So communication for the creative thinker is always a, how do you allow people into the thinking so they feel connected to you? And how do you share the journey rather than often have to bring the perfect purist solution at the end where people go, yeah, you're right. But for people like Jeremy and I, let that pioneer connector and creative connector creative we love to be part of the journey we love to be feel like we're helping shape it too which means that we then feel really bought into the solution and the plan that has to be implemented so the the idea of liberating a creative the idea if if you're a creative how to be liberated um, i think it's just important to understand who they are and the value they bring so if you're you are a creative yourself it, it's speaking into yourself. It's not uh, dominating. It's getting to the point where you believe in yourself and your ideas, but you allow people to play with your ideas. That would be helpful. If you would let people into your world, um, and I get it because it's sometimes hard because uh, if you don't trust them, then you're not. You're not going to let them in, which makes you know total sense. So just uh, for any of those who are listening, make sure that you take the time to ask questions to clarify pull don't push but pull and for those who do have a safe place uh creatives learn how to share learn how to ask and ask for collaboration ask people to be to play or or tell them hey i I don't need you to play i just need you to listen or care or you know give some some hints of what you expect because Mm -hmm. expectations are usually where the creative gets off there's missed expectations and the missed expectations usually leads to form of judgment and to kind of long-term cynicism. 
uh, to uh, other people in your life. Mm-hmm. So we've got to give them space to dream. We've got to encourage them to keep pushing. And that's that's really how you liberate and work with a creative. So mm-hmm. hopefully that was really, really uh, encouraging or enlightening for the for mm-hmm. the, the uh, percentage. Steve, remind people how many uh, percentage of the population are creative? Uh, 9%. So for nine percent of the population, this is for you. And I think one couple of last things for me, because I've always got far more to share on this stuff than we have time for. But if you've got creative thinkers that you're leading, whether you have children, whether you have people in your team, one of the things that you'll find is is you have to give them the space to dream and explore the world. So they hate micromanagement. They usually hate to be told what to do. The more rules you put around a creative thinker, the more they seek of trying to break them and feel like you're putting them in a box. So just give them a chance to use their intellect to basically help you solve the complex problems that you can't because they love nothing more than being able to go away and try and solve those things. And almost to go, trust me to deliver is what they're saying to you. They're saying, look, give me the resources, give me the big problem, don't micromanage me and let me find an ingenious solution to what's going on. So creating space, and I would also say translating for them. Be an ambassador for them. You know, Recognize they're going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong place to somebody. And others can easily be offended by them, but you just keep being a translator because they are unbelievably clever. And in some ways, if you show that you are loyal to them, you're prepared to be a liberator for them, their commitment to you will go through the roof. And they are some of the most genius type people in the new world as we try and solve problems no one else has dealt with yet. I would say that that creative thinker is probably one of the biggest brains and absolutely loves doing the things that for a lot of leaders wears us out trying to work out, okay, what do I need to be aware of what's coming down the pipe? So you can turn creatives into the most loyal team players if you're a liberator for them. Because so few people in their lives have ever really understood who they are and created an environment where they get to be at their best. So I'd say the upside in learning to be a liberator for creatives is probably more than any other voice inside your world right now. Yeah, that's such an asset for sure. For sure. It's good. Well, take that as encouragement. Uh, we'll get into uh, liberation of other voices in the next podcast. And uh, Guardian. Any- Guardian next. Oh, the Guardian Nation, rise up. You're going to be excited. Cannot wait to to be with 30% of that world uh, (laughs) next time. So um, very fun. As always, uh, we hope that uh, you're encouraged. We hope that you keep uh, fighting for the highest possible good of those you lead. That's what liberators do. Thanks for the time, for being uh, part of the 4.5 million people who listen to the Liberator podcast in our minds. And uh, for that, we're off till next time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.